Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Star sports podcast. I'm Blair Kirkhoff. It's July 25th, and we're coming to you from Chiefs training camp at Missouri Western in St. Joseph with a few topics we didn't expect to be discussing with beat writer Jesse Newell and columnist Vahe Gregorian. First, the Chris Jones holdout. He's not in training camp, and as he's being fined $50,000 per day because of his absence, it makes you wonder how long this will go on. Jones apparently wants to be the, or close to, the NFL's highest-paid defensive player. We discussed the holdout from his and the Chiefs' perspectives. Also, lightning-quick wide receiver Kadarius Toney will miss camp time with a knee injury. He hurt it early in the first day of workouts, and now the position group will sort itself out without Toney in the short term. The good news is there are plenty of strong candidates there. We also discuss early camp impressions and the importance of tight end Travis Kelsey to training camp and this team. Okay, let's get started. I didn't want to start, and I'm not going to start our podcast today with Chris Jones information. We'll talk about Chris Jones here in a minute, but there's more bad news to discuss. <laughs> I love how you make the point of we're not talking about Chris Jones. <laughs> It seems like we've always talked about Chris Jones on this. When this podcast was a daily enterprise, we talked about Chris Jones almost daily. We're 24 seconds in, and you said, you've said Chris Jones eight times. We are not talking about number 95. People are. People are, but we're not. Yes. We'll get to it in a minute. Uh, but Kadarius Tony is who I wanted to talk about, and he is not with it. Like number 95, he's not with the Chiefs right now. Out with a knee injury, didn't even get to practice, I guess it was labeled a pre-practice <laughs> knee tweak by... Non-contact. Uh, yes, by Andy Reid, but there is some suggestion now that it could be a little bit more serious than a knee tweak. Um, the, the best source of information for that, as we record this, comes from Travis Kelsey, who said <laughs> during his meeting with reporters that he hopes to get him back by the beginning of the season because <laughs> KT's, he's their guy. Anyway, um, this was kind of the fear, Jesse, wasn't it, with, with Kadarius Tony Injury-prone, doesn't seem like you can write a sentence about Kadarius without including injury-prone, and here it is, non-contact injury. Yeah, and it's why when all the discussion of the receivers in the offseason, you're talking about can the Chiefs add somebody, should they add somebody, the upside there is there with Kadarius Toney. It's just a matter of the greatest ability is availability, as the old cliche goes, and the availability is the big question with him. So uh, pretty early for that to be happening, obviously, and not the greatest sign for it to be happening basically on the first 10-minute practice session of uh, training camp. But, yeah, this is this is where we kind of meet that sort of uh, weird spot with the Chiefs right now, which is how they don't have top-tier receivers, you would say. You know, that 
some of the other NFL teams have. But at least Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid hope they have depth, at least the depth to say that they go seven, eight, nine deep to feel like you could potentially fill in for this type of thing. So it gives the Justin Rosses of the world, the Richie James of the world, the Justin Watsons of the world. I have to mention his name with Vahe sitting here, a fellow pen man uh, himself. Uh, you know, it gives those guys more opportunity, but it is going to test kind of what the Chiefs think about their depth in that situation and how good they are, those players are. And it'll also test what we think about Kadarius Tony because this is probably about the worst start to a training camp he could have had for a guy who already had injury concerns coming in. You know, and listen, I mean, as we saw his capabilities last year, I remember thinking, can't believe the Giants let him go. Can't believe the Chiefs fleeced the Giants this way. But now we're getting an early reminder of the trap door that always seems to be around him. And I'm not ready to call him call him Adalbero Mondesi just yet. But, but, but <laughs> nice one. Like it is that. worrisome. It is worrisome. And this... You guys were here. I wasn't here yet, but it, as, as I understand it, that was such a pre-practice thing. We hadn't, haven't even heard the first, you know, horn go off, right? I mean, before the first horn's blown, he's he's tweaked the knee. So I understand why the Chiefs would want to take the chance with him. I, I'm not sure they win the Super Bowl without the 65-yard punt return. Um, you know, is one punt return every couple of games – you know enough reason for an electrifying player like him to 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 hang on for an electrifying player like him uh, you know i guess we'll have to see the upside is so tremendous though i mean he is he is an exhilarating talent it, it almost makes you wonder why if he his body is too quick for him you know what i'm saying like like he moves in such an unnatural way which is what made that huge punt return that he is more prone to having knees or calves or hamstrings not be in the right place now i, I do want to walk back a little bit because you know if you said to brett veach you're going to trade this guy what it was a third round pick yeah, and a conditional yeah, yeah. pick it was, it was and he risk. will he will make one of the biggest plays to get you a Super Bowl victory, you probably trade a third-round pick any day of the week. We also have to mention that right after uh, there were some reports out there about Kadarius Tony, he went to Twitter and basically said, that's not exactly right, but I'm going to be fine, that sort of thing. So we still are early in training camp. Maybe he'll be back out there before everybody anticipates, but it, it just is not the news that you want to start off with. And, and we know Kadarius doesn't want to start off with either, but there's enough questions now to wonder. Like, again, is, is his body just not made to move the way he does and remain healthy? And, and that's at least a question at this point. Yeah, I haven't been on the New York Giants fans' message boards, but I'm sure there's a lot of I told you so's <laughs> there. Uh, but but Giants again, fans. the I told you so is like, I told you I, he would get injured after he helped you win the well, Super this, Bowl. Look, this is a big point. If he does nothing ever again for the Chiefs, the trade was worth it. I mean, think about Johnny right. Cueto with the Royals. Right. Did the yeah. Royals think Johnny Cueto was worth it? Yeah. He couldn't pitch anywhere but home toward the end, <laughs> and then is just completely dominant in two of the starts. They absolutely need him to be completely dominant. I don't think they're walking that trade back. And, uh, again, for the, for the Chiefs and the significance and holding Lombardis and all those sorts of things, the legacy, uh, how, would this, how would we be discussing this team right now if – if they didn't win that game, if things didn't go that way. And so, you know, uh, to the victors go the spoils. The Chiefs actually uh, obviously won, so the, the, they get the spoils of our conversation here. But uh, him being a big part of that, it's it's hard to walk that back, and they still have lots, lots, lots of team control for him because he's still on his rookie contract and still could have a fifth-year option. So, um, yeah, the story is still to be played out, but we can all agree not an encouraging start for this particular player. Well, luckily, and player, you may be transitioning elsewhere, but I'm just going to throw myself in headlong into the fray here 
Sky Moore is 30 times more comfortable, <laughs> as he put it today. Yes, yes, he is. Which I, 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 we did not get to break down the reason for that exact multiplier, but um, I guess to the broader point here, what are they? What are they left with? With uh, as they, you know, as they wait for Kadarius to return. Well, when they ran the, like? fr- the very first uh, series that the offense ran in the first practice, uh, what? Who who was out there with the who were the first team wide receivers? Well, it is, it's been MVS, it's been Sky Moore out there with a lot of them. But actually, the very first one of the first full squad practice, they did the two tight end set, which right. we also kind of have to give a nod to because it's part of the reason they won last year's Super Bowl as well is that they had a lot of those two tight end sets that they could run out of. Noah Gray had a, a nice year for the Chiefs, and obviously expecting even more out of him this year with Travis Kelsey singling him out today, but. You know, I wrote about it here, Blair, and I know, Vahe, you wrote about it last month. Uh, and for all those fantasy football players out there, they'll want to hear it as well. I mean, Sky Moore has been one of the stories of summer camp, OTAs, any camp you get out there, and then the early training camp. He has been one of the stories. He came back stronger. He looks more mature. He's been a year in the playbook. Uh, there was a play today that I wrote about where he kind of kept coming back to the football and made sure between two defenders that he caught the pass from Patrick Mahomes. He told us in the summer one of the biggest things he wants to do is make sure that Patrick Mahomes can trust him. Going back to last year, there was a, a throw for the 49ers game that Patrick Mahomes had an interception, and he actually talked about it on the quarterback a little bit. But after the game, I mean, Andy Reid kind of said he was asked about that play, and, and Andy Reid said, look, um, he didn't run this at the right angle. Uh, Sky Moore didn't, and so kind of left his quarterback out to dry. So those are the type of things that that I'm sure kind of could stick in the back of quarterback's mind. Like, do I trust this guy? Do I want to continue to go to this guy? It seems to be much more the case in the summer. And so uh, Sky Moore right now looks primed to be a guy that is going to be the first team, one of the top receivers for the Chiefs out there. And he's getting every opportunity right now to go out there and, and do what he does. And so far it's looked pretty good. Don't you think he was just trying to find his place on the team a year ago? And he was impacted by the muff punch. Yeah, it really compounded yep. that, that Here, disorientation. Here's a, here's a guy who you know? comes from a Mac school yeah, yeah. and really, you know, just trying to figure out where he belongs, has the failure early, so he's down on himself, others are down on him. Um, and then uh, he, he doesn't get many targets during the regular season. Then he has the touchdown in the Super Bowl, along with Kadarius Tony, who, had a, in addition to his punt return, had a touchdown reception in the Super Bowl, makes the big punt return, has the big punt return against the Bengals in the AFC Championship game to set up the, the Harrison-Butker game-winning field goal. I do, I do see a big – I'm not a fantasy football player, but I do see a big jump statistically for Sky Moore this year. I, I agree, and I, for all the reasons you guys have mentioned, and, and I, I don't know if there's a way to really chart this exactly, but – there's something to be said for in the complex and you know uh, infinite Andy Reid playbook of the ability of the difference between year one and year two. There just there just has to be. I don't I don't have the metrics in front of me, but even let's just say for argument's sake for Patrick Mahomes to have the redshirt year before he he was in charge of the offense. I, I guarantee you it was fundamentally different through his his lens on it was fundamentally different a year later. I suspect that that will apply with Sky. Some of the underlying metrics really liked him last year with the route running and the separation. He's separation, able to right? Too. That was a big yeah. thing, yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think comfort is the word we always kind of keep bringing up with him, which is very true. But 
we also can talk about, you know, Mahomes is so good with Kelsey because those two are on the same wavelength and they know kind of how to move in space and how to find each other and when they're going to be looking for the ball or throwing the ball, that sort of thing. And, and developing that takes time. And I think that's really something that Sky Moore, he, he mentioned today uh, kind of talking about, hey, now he's not thinking about the route before or, and like the play call. He's thinking about how do I get open? And yeah. so it's like a, a, a step further. It's, it's sort of, I don't know, if you, I mean, taking you guys back to like, when you first started writing in high school or college, you're thinking, okay, you know, how, how do I get from this part of the sentence to this part of the sentence? And now you just sit down and you just do it. I mean, you've written it so many times. It's, it's, it's the experience factor that helps. And so now it seems like he's on a different level. And I guess we also could talk about somebody else who's been on different levels so far. Very early, no pads yet, but uh, Richie James has been somebody that stood out. And Sky Moore even said it's become his favorite receiver uh, after watching the last two days. That was an interesting comment. Uh, obviously, Richie James has had a first good couple of days here, right, uh, and others. But I, I thought that was interesting that he pointed him out. Yeah. And, and by the way, I, I peaked as a writer in high school. It has been downhill <laughs> for me since then. You and Vahe, Jesse, have just uh, continued to elevate and I've gone in the opposite direction. Uh, I, I, I'll correct that. I'm, I'm still working on being fundamentally sound and uh, hoping to, you know, clear the screen and start over let's every get, day. Let's get you on the record how you fooled two Hall of Fames into, uh, into that fact. Uh, yeah, okay. In addition to Richie James, um, uh, who else has kind of impressed you, who stood out for you in the first couple of days? Uh, Daenerys Prince. Yeah. I mean, I, so it was, it was sort of funny. Um, with what happens in training camp because I think guys for the front you're on the same team and you cheer for each other you try to help each other we saw last year like Frank Clark did a great job with George Karloftis who was trying to learn pass yeah. rush moves and we heard so much about those guys trying to help each other and again at the end of the season you look up and when George Karloftis has some production you think did that really help you know did this kind of chemistry camaraderie help where a guy is not like oh forget you rookie learn it on your own where they come together and help each other and all of a sudden things come together better so, so that usually is the thing we heard Sky Moore talking about that with the receiver room how guys eat with each other, they hang out together. But I think with <laughs> Isaiah Pacheco has been limited and he's been itching to get out there, you know, with that yellow jersey after uh, his shoulder injury. But I asked him about Daenerys Prince uh, a couple days ago and he was sort of like, oh yeah, he's been working. And it was, it was sort of like him saying the right thing where would read well in the newspaper, but sort of like, I need to get back out there because I've seen this Daenerys Prince dude mm. and I'm not loving that this looks like me a year ago. Because we remember the very famous Isaiah Pacheco quote when he was drafted, that draft night where he's saying he was going to come into Kansas City to take a grown man's job. You know, I, I think Pacheco's seen enough from Daenerys Prince to go, I, I'm not in love with this. I kind of want to be out there. I kind of want full contact because uh, Daenerys Prince, again, big guy, really fast. We talked about the speed score measure where in 2022, the top running back in speed score, combining your uh, strength and height and, and speed, was Isaiah Pacheco. 2023, the top guy in that measurement out of the draft class, Generic Prince. Second place, Bajon Robinson. Third place, Jameer Gibbs. So again, in very good company when it comes to that. But the one thing that surprised the Chiefs, you talk to, uh, you know, guys like Brett Veach, uh, pass catching ability. I mean, that's that's what's separated Daenerys so far is just that he's been able to do all that, show really good things in the running game, and then he's caught everything. Today at practice, a one-handed catch yep. down the sideline. And so he has shown... He's opened a lot of eyes is what I would say right now. And last year when every national rider came through here, the story they came away with was, oh my gosh, the Chiefs have high hopes for Isaiah Pacheco. I'm not going to be surprised here in the next couple of weeks when those national riders come circle around again. The story they leave with again is going to be, what about this undrafted rookie in Daenerys Prince? 
Well, we're going to see if he can, uh, how, how good he is or how effective he is in pass protection. That's always a big uh, yeah. issue with, with Andy Reid. But the other thing, when I, when I watch him practice, he's listed as, at six feet. I don't, I don't know the weight, but he just, like, just by percentage points, bigger than the next biggest running back. But he's noticeably bigger to the eye to me. Maybe it's the bubble helmet they're wearing or something. But he just looks bigger and stronger than any other running back they have out there. He is impressive. So absolutely someone to keep an eye on. Daenerys Prince, a uh, bit of a camp darling early. I'll tell you who else to me has had a good camp, and you mentioned him earlier, Jesse, is Noah Gray. Uh, catching everything coming his way. Um, soft hands, good route runner. Would not be surprised to see his numbers increase uh, a lot this year, especially since we're looking at a wide receiver group that is uh, short on Chiefs experience. Uh, I, you know, I, Again, I, I think Sky Moore, uh, I think Rasheed Rice is going to have a good year. Sky Moore is going to fill up the stat sheet. Mar- uh, MVS is going to have a big year. But I wouldn't be surprised if in, in, in many years the second leading wide receiver, second leading player in terms of receptions among tight ends is usually down 10, 12, something like that, because Kelsey gets 100 himself. I wouldn't be surprised if Noah Gray had 25 to 30 receptions this year. I think you're on to something big here, Blair, because when everybody's talking in the offseason about what are they going to do at receiver, well, again, the first, first snap of camp, they had two receivers on the field. You play more tight ends. And this has sort of gotten to the point where the Chiefs doubled their usage last year of that 12 and 13 personnel, which is the two receivers or, th- or two tight ends or three right tight ends on the field and you go to that where you can run the football a little bit they ran pretty successfully against the eagles when teams match them up with smaller guys so it's sort of interesting if you're answering this wide receiver question part of the answer could just be you don't need as many you don't need to put as many out there and not only that it seems like some of these teams are chasing the chiefs we saw the bills what they do this offseason the first round for their draft pick they go out and they get a tight end they're they like oh look what the chiefs did and you know when they can't throw the ball all the time what they do they got heavier personnel they did some different things there so that might be part of the solution here where it's kind of like a, a more meta answer to your question which is what do the chiefs do at receiver how do they get three wide receivers on the field well, you take one off. You put Noah Gray in the game, and I think he's had a really nice progression. If you look at the big studies for the NFL, tight ends usually take a while to develop. Noah Gray's still pretty young, guys. So for him to be at this point, this early, and for the Chiefs to trust in him, I think he's in a good spot. Let me try to out-meta your meta. Oh, boy. On this. And I, and I, and I think, in a way, it's, it's, it's a, it may be just kind of a red herring. But, but I do wonder this also. As Travis Kelsey gets older, I don't think the Chiefs have – it's not probably the sort of thing where you're thinking about a succession plan. On the other hand, wouldn't you like to uh, get the ball in the hands of other tight ends more as you try to identify how in the next two or three years they're going to compensate for surely some loss in ability from Travis Kelsey in the, the next few years? And I, I, don't, I don't know if that means Noah, Noah should get 50 catches or Joey Fort, J- Jody Fortson should get – 38 and and you know to divvy that ball up differently but i do wonder if if in some way that has to plug into their thinking a little bit all of this and travis kelsey mentioned this today as he gets older he needs to be on the field less he needs more time to recover yeah catch his breath so that also plays into this as well that the more you can raise the level that particular room the more effective of a travis kelsey you can have especially in those big moments late in the game when you need him to be at his best i looked it up because i had to remind myself kelsey has this year and two more on his contract so 2025 and don't you get a sense with travis kelsey who we did hear from today that just given everything that happened to him in this off season and sort of been building toward this just his personality his big personality his persona 
and his rave reviews for Saturday Night Live and um, the, the the Kelsey Music Festival and all the things that he's gotten himself into that I think he begins to really see a life beyond football. And I wouldn't be surprised if he plays out his contract in Kansas City and that's it for him. And, uh, and, and he enters this entertainment world, which he seems to be suited for. And, Boy, does he ever. And yeah. yeah, so could could we could this kind of could we be seeing the beginning of a transition phase? Uh, no, not that the Chiefs don't need his hundred, you know, and, and don't yeah. desire his hundred receptions and twelve touchdowns, and um, and it's certainly his playoff ability. But it seems like it'd be a good time to begin the you know the gearing down a little bit. You do make me think about this in a little different way than I have before. He's, I think he's going to play as long as he can uh, when he's at this pinnacle of greatness. I do wonder if he's, because of the reasons you just outlined, if he's the sort of person who, when he's, let's say he's 17% less effective, just, just, and in his game, I would assume that that's, uh, that has ripples. I mean, right, it, it, it's your ability to get open. And um, I wonder if he's the sort of guy who says, well, I've got, I do have life after football because I, I know I can do X, Y, and Z, and I don't want to be not a, a shadow of myself, but not, not quite what I was. I could I could see the the case that he would pull the plug before he gets to a point where he feels feeble out there. Let's put it that way. And it, maybe we don't know him at all. I mean, maybe maybe that's wrong. Maybe he'll hang on for a decade. But maybe we see a uh, Jim Brown and the Dirty Dozen. You know, the, the, <laughs> movie, the movie that ended Jim Brown's career uh, because he chose to because because Paul Brown, his coach, told him to get his butt back to Cleveland, and Jim said, "No, no." I'm throwing these grenades down the <laughs> down the shafts and blowing up this castle. So when he's asked to be a reg- like Heidi Gardner gets him to be on SNL as a regular cast member, that'll be it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I can see that. I can see that. It just feels to me he's been so. He'll say blessed. I mean, it's partly him too. He's been. He's just been so almost injury free since his rookie yeah. year. Yeah. And it. You know, if you're a Chiefs fan, you knock on wood. It doesn't seem like you can continue to escape that going up your 34, 35 year old seasons. But I think how his body feels. I mean, you saw him today at camp. He didn't seem to be in bad shape. He seemed to be want to, want to be out there at camp. I mean, so many veterans when he, they get to his age, they don't want to be out there. They want to rest yes. their bodies. He seemed very energetic, enthusiastic to be with the guys. And I think I'm kind of in line with what you guys are saying just from being around him the last year, which is as long as he can be full go on this. He wants to be full go, and he knows that the time period that he can do this is short. If he's not full go, if he doesn't feel like he can be out at camp and have his body and, and, and do the things he feels like he needs to do, or it starts to become a burden, then, yeah, you could see him walk away. But as of right now, I mean, I think that's the positive here is that so many other veterans across the NFL are figuring out ways to get out of camp, and all we hear from Travis Kelsey is the ways he's trying to be here presently at camp. Uh, and so th- that's really encouraging, and it lets you know how he feels about his body and how he feels about his playing status, at least at this point. It's a great point. It makes me think about the the, the the fuel beneath all this or within all this is, I mean, I, you do feel like he wants to wring everything he can out of his career. Yes. And, and, and that's part of what distinguishes his team. When you, especially when you have a guy who's in such a visible, visible presence and such a talent. I mean, lock, it, lock hall of famer. What? Um, yes. yes. I mean, pretty close to the greatest of all time at this yeah. point. And yeah. the other part of this, I, I wondered about that too in my head. I don't think he's this type of guy, but you wonder about the milestone numbers, you know, if, if any, 
gets close to those in two or three years, if that becomes eight hundred and fourteen career receptions, if so, a thousand is is right there for him, uh, and he would you'd figure he'd get that being his normal self if he can continue that a couple more years. Uh, so if that's in there, but also kind of taken back to you know the quarterback series with Mahomes, which may be probably going to go back to our a lot of our discussions this year. But <laughs> if you're Travis Kelsey and you think about it, like you're with Patrick Mahomes and you're with Andy Reid, a former tight ends coach. And the situation really couldn't be any better. And so, yeah, you, 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 I think you said the word squeeze, Vahe. Like, you try to milk this for all it's worth because you are in an amazing situation and you know how lucky you are. And potentially, you know, your legacy with this could be another title, two, three, whatever the case may yeah. be. So yeah. that all factors into it as well. And the, the greatest of all time, tight end, potentially factors into it as well. But uh, at least for now, like I said, Travis Kelsey looked great today and he looked eager to be out there with his teammates on a really hot day. Uh, well, this wasn't as hot, but they'll be hot here in the next few days. And uh, I think that's an encouraging sign, at least for this season. I'm glad that's the interpretation you both got from him today because that's what I wrote. That was the angle I took. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't want to blow it. Uh, (laughs) Affirmation, nothing like it. Right. (laughs) When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, so the the, uh, the name that I mentioned, how many times in the first minute, Jesse? Let's let's get to Chris Jones. Um, Andy Reid said he was surprised. I thought that was kind of revealing. Uh, I, I forgot who asked the question. Maybe Steve. I don't remember who it was, but I, it was the right way to ask it. To be honest with you, were you surprised by this news? Not what was your reaction? Because he probably wouldn't have said that. But asked directly if he was surprised, and Andy Reid said yes. He was surprised Chris Jones, uh, they haven't gotten a deal done yet. So um, it's different than it was four years ago when, was it, am I looking, if I got the years right, was it four years ago? 2019. Uh, yeah, uh, end of the rookie contract, as the end of the rookie contract was approaching, um, they got the deal done and Chris Jones got to camp. This year, he is not in camp. And if according to national uh, NFL writers who were talking, um, to uh, Chris Jones' agents, who I, I assume they're not close. So that's discouraging news for the Chiefs, right? Um, uh, you just, you know, troubling little uh, St. Joe paradise for, <laughs> uh, for for the guys in red. How much, how is this going to play out? Well, really quickly, just a, a minor alteration on that. 2019, he missed mandatory minicamp. He went to training camp. They did not come to a deal. Then they tried to put him on the franchise tag later, and then they signed the long-term extension. So just a little bit different. But he did report to training camp, which is the major difference here. And now with the new CBA, there's even more motivation to show up to yeah. because or to training camp because it's a mandatory, mandatory $50,000 fine per day. So it's not like the team at the end of signing a long-term contract can say, ah, oh, we'll waive that, whatever. No, no, no. The CBA says every day he's gone is $50,000. So that's why you've seen a lot more recently they hold in rather than the hold out, which is you show up, you go to meetings, you're around your teammates, and then you basically tell your coach, hey, I got a knee injury. or a quiet quit. An ankle injury, <laughs> whatever you say you got, you got it, but you're, you're around the team. 
Um, again, I go back to the Marshawn Lynch. I'm here so I don't get fined. I, that's basically what you do when you hold in. I'm here so I don't get fined, but I'm not going to really do too much. That's not what Chris is doing here. I mean, this is a different path than most people take now with the new CBA. So, yeah. I, so, I don't know. I mean, I still think it's going to get signed. I still think they'll come to a long-term deal. You still hear Clark Hunt speak glowingly about Chris Jones. You still hear, uh, as of a month ago, Brett Veet saying he thinks he's going to be here for a long time. It still seems like posturing. But that big gap between the AAV, average annual value, of the second-ranked guy, Quinnen Williams, a defensive tackle at $24 million, and the number one guy in Aaron Donald at $31.6 million, that's a lot of wiggle room when it comes to trying to negotiate a particular number. And the only thing, other thing I'll say about this is the Chiefs have shown the last couple of years, if we know anything about the Chiefs, they set their line in, in the sand and say, this is our number. And if it doesn't work that way, Tyreek Hill, they trade him. Or, hey, Juju Smith-Schuster in the offseason, here's the number. Okay, you don't want that? You want to go to the Patriots? You go to the Patriots. You know what I mean? So they've stood pretty firm on these sorts of things. So um, our Sam McDowell wrote it out and laid it out pretty well right now. It's, it's left the Chiefs in kind of a pickle here because it's after the draft. If they get draft pick conversation and traded him, it would be for next year's draft, and they're trying to win the Super Bowl this year. So this is interesting at this point, and Chris Jones does have some leverage. Does he have enough leverage to get over Aaron Donald money or somewhere near that? I don't know. If, if it's at that point, the Chiefs, based off their recent history, might just trade him. But, I, again, I think they're going to get a long-term deal. I just think right now both sides are posturing, and it's not at a deadline point yet this early in training camp. be interesting to hear what you think, Vahe. But, um, I, like I said, I still expect these two sides to come together. I still expect this thing to get done. But uh, Chris Jones is taking a very interesting path here to make his point known. And uh, at this point, I think we at least need to take that seriously to say that there's not a 100% guarantee that this thing is going to turn out right. Yeah, and I'm, I am with you. I do think that it will – ultimately get resolved but i but i do wonder about the sort of the collateral acrimony and Mm -hmm. the the impact that could have on on the ability to get get the broader deal done and i do think also back to your point to start with blair just the idea of andy Reid's surprise you know the phrasing was just so interesting that you know we get here to camp last tuesday the first day and andy says what he normally says about such things well the good thing is there's communication that's the most important thing most, is what that's he the said most important thing so you know it'll get done it's sort of foregone conclusion ah, there's communication and then the other day the very first thing is well there had been communication yeah <laughs> and then uh, he amplified that point a little bit later what what is interesting and you got into this jesse this just sits kind of right in the sort of you know the complicated thick of everything but between how the Chiefs want to operate and what they need to do. And that's that's the dilemma here, right? They they don't they don't want to do this. They need Chris Jones. They 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 don't want to spend this way. They need Chris Jones. And I, you know, we'll see which aspect of this wins out. But um I you know, I, I, I just still do expect it's going to work out in the long run. I think, I think it, they see he's a core a core guy. I think it's interesting to say the word need because that's kind of where they have not put themselves. Right. Everybody would have said they needed Tyreek Hill. Right. And they ended up not needing him. They needed a number one wide receiver last year. They ended up not needing it. I mean, if you think back to the Super Bowl, Chris Jones was amazing for them to get to the Super Bowl. In the Super Bowl, not overly productive. No, Chiefs, not, not, not stat-wise. Chiefs but, gave but, up yeah. 35. 
and they won the Super Bowl. Right. You know what I mean? So I think the Chiefs sometimes view this differently than yeah. the outside appearance. Now, here's the problem for the Chiefs. Like, if you want to take away Tyreek Hill, you've still got Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes manning the offense. And Travis Kelsey is and, in and the thick Travis of it. And Travis Kelsey you know? in the thick of it. So without, without, with, without Chris Jones on the defense, I mean, he single-handedly won them many games last year, like you were talking about, with very clutch plays. Including the AFC title game. But there also could be a reality yes. here. Yes, the AFC title game with the sack that he had and, and obviously um, you know, finishing that game off. The reality can be true here, guys, that, like, Chris Jones could make a lot more sense on the Bears than the Chiefs. You know what I'm saying? Like, the Bears, sort of, if we think back to Miami, Tyreek Hill made a lot more sense on Miami than he did the Chiefs because the Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes and that contract. And you're always going to have to work around the parameters of Patrick Mahomes' contract. Now, again, he's like the seventh-paid guy. He's going to be underpaid no matter what you pay him. But Tua's on a rookie deal. You know what I mean? They have money. They will pay top-of-market money for a receiver like Tyree Hill to come in here and do it without blinking, whereas the Chiefs have to blink a little bit. They have to think about the ramifications. And so if you're the Bears and you're Ryan Poles, you're sitting there going, oh, man, the defensive line was bad last year. God, we'd love to have somebody in the middle here, top five defensive player. They'd happily pay draft picks probably for Chris Jones and then give him the extension immediately to just anchor that down, whereas the Chiefs look at that and go, well, you clear up the cap room. Well, you get the draft picks. Well, the yeah. guys that you really keep here in, in the inner circle here are Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, and you keep that together and continue to eat younger. So, again, I'm not saying there's a right or wrong answer. I'm just saying that this is the reality of the cap, kind of like Clark Hunt talked about earlier this week. The reality of the cap the Chiefs have is that you have the best player in the NFL, maybe the best athlete in the entire well, – not athlete, but the best um, sports player in the entire world on your team, and you're paying him as such – so it makes it more difficult to have multiple of those guys, whereas other teams would die to have that and will give you resources for that. So this puzzle piece is just sort of an interesting fit with the Chiefs. I think it still gets done. I still think they need him on the defense. That word again, need, to, if they want to continue to compete at the highest level. But um, that's what makes it tricky. If this was all done before the draft, could this be a Tyreek Hill situation where he makes better sense on another team that will absolutely pay him top of money and trade resources for it? And the Chiefs get younger and cheaper and salary cap room. Uh, maybe there's not a wrong answer there. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, it's a lot to think about. And you make me think about the, the thing with Tyree Kill that's different here is, right, the timing, obviously. And, yeah. and what happened was Tyree Kill essentially forced their hand to trade him at peak value. We don't know behind and the scenes if, they're, if they are far apart, as it's right. said. We don't I mean, really know let, that. Let's say the Chiefs. Okay, let's go average and value. I know there's guaranteed money involved in this, too, obviously. But let's just spitball here. The second highest paid guy is $24 million. Highest paid guy is Aaron Donald, 31.6. 31. 31. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's say the Chiefs think, we'll make you the second paid, highest paid, 26. Let's say Chris Jones says, I'm better than Aaron Donald right now. And he's probably right. He's probably right. Mm -hmm. But the Rams were kind of, they were kind of competing against themselves because Aaron Donald was going to retire if he didn't come back. He says, I want 32. You're, what do you do? Now, let me ask you this. Would the Bears pay $32 million right now yes. for Chris Jones on yeah, extension? Absolutely. Wouldn't think about it. Yep. Would not think about it. The Chiefs have to think about it. So, again, that's, that's sort of the dynamics that come into play here. Right. I'm speculating. That's all spitballing. That's not based off of any information. But yeah. you do see kind of the shifting dynamics here. The leverage Chris Jones has, though, is he's not here, and it's late in the offseason, and they can't trade for picks they would get this year like right. they do with Tyreek Hill. Right. That's the leverage he has. That's the leverage he's trying to use, and that's why this will be, continue to be a fascinating situation until – it's all resolved. I wonder if some of the thinking on the Chiefs part two is when, Jesse, you mentioned it earlier, drawing the line in the sand on the number. If they're not thinking about future 
contracts. Players, you know, absolutely. Next year, you know, who who? Creed Humphrey, a, Nick Bolton, yes, all exactly, those guys are coming exactly. up too. Exactly, guys like that. They're gonna they're coming up, and you pay Chris Jones what he's gonna demand, and maybe you have to bid farewell to both of those types of players. I think you're spot on with that. I mean, each of these things has implications with the next. I mean, it's just unmistakable because of where you start. And we've talked so much about the Chiefs are so good with the salary cap. I mean, this isn't an accident. I mean, think about their draft this year. Even if you want to talk about the certain picks, maybe you would have picked a different guy here, a different guy there. The picks they made, edge rusher, receiver, tackle, all these guys are really hard to buy on the open market. If you can get a rookie value doing that, then you're in great shape. And so, again, none of this is by accident. Um, so uh, we'll see. I mean, they, they have to be more creative because they have Patrick Mahomes. Nobody's complaining about having Patrick Mahomes, but – the guys, the teams that have the rookie contract, like we saw with the Chiefs when they won their first Super Bowl, you go out and get Sammy Watkins. It's okay. Bring that last piece in. Right. You can go do different things and, and be more flexible financially. Right. The Chiefs don't have that type of wiggle room anymore because of Patrick Mahomes. They would not trade that for the world. But these sorts of situations become a little bit more interesting because if you have two of those big salaries together, it makes it a lot harder to do things down the road. And you're not only looking at this year, you're looking down the road as well, as you mentioned, Blair. All right, so right now the Chiefs, every, uh, uh, every odds maker has the Chiefs as the Super Bowl favorite. Do they stay there if Chris Jones is not part of this team? <sighs> You're asking me to predict Vegas. I probably should be able to do this. Uh, I, would say, I would say overwhelmingly we usually overrate the impact of one player if it's not a quarterback or receiver. I would say in this instance – Chris Jones is at the very top of the defensive players. So he would be more than you would typically give a guy like that. I would say they would probably be slightly under who is the second-place team, like the, the Eagles. The Eagles, Eagles sends an easier pass right. in the NFC. I'd say the Chiefs would fall behind the Eagles and still be around the rest of the teams in the AFC. Um, even with that. Now, again, we can talk about, like, Daniel Wise, uh, Kansas uh, guy I covered. Uh, He's been filling in some stats for Chris Jones, and I'm sure that's part of the holdout thought with Chris Jones is, you know, if I'm not here, here's who's here for me instead. And and guys that I think we looked up, guys that uh, uh, Daniel Wise has had 11 snaps or 11 tackles in the NFL in in his two seasons in his career. I mean, it's, it's really hard to find a more dramatic look at what the difference would be without him now again you would clear the salary cap room and i don't know the defensive tackle market that's out there so um if there was a trade there's there's that available to you as well but um that is a stark contrast and i'm sure that's the point that chris jones is trying to make with this to say here's what it might look like if i'm not here so that's kind of the leverage that i do have yeah, you lose Tyreek Hill, and you go out and get Juju Smith-Schuster. They and, immediately and, signed and, MVS. And MVS. And they drafted Sky, Moore, Sky Moore right after that. And you, even if you need some time to develop, you figure he's going to be in your system. Yeah. Interesting place the Chiefs are in with uh, Chris Jones. And interesting place always on this podcast, Jesse Newell, Vahe Gregorian. Thanks a lot, you guys. Thanks, Blair. That'll do it for today. Thanks to Randy Mason for putting together the show and to our Sportsbeat KC staff of Monty Davis, Todd Feeback, Jeff Rosen, and Scott Chasen. Tip of the cap to Jesse Newell and Vahe Gregorian for sharing their insights. Everything we discuss on the podcast, we also write about. You can find our stories in the print editions of the Kansas City Star online at kansascity.com and my growing favorite, the Star's digital sports section called morning sports edition 
There you'll find everything star writers have to say about the Chiefs, the Royals, KU, K-State, Mizzou, Sporting KC, The Current, and more, plus national sports coverage like the FIFA Women's World Cup going on right now in Australia and New Zealand. Go to liveedition.kansascity.com and check it out. Okay, thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon talking sports in Kansas City.